Welcome to the Abodo Presents podcast. My name is Daniel Gunsell. For this podcast, we chat to John Smith and John Holly of Matter Architects about the intersection of art and architecture. Well, I'm grateful to have with me today John Smith and John Holly, founders of award-winning Matter Architects in Auckland, New Zealand. Welcome, John and John. Hi, Dan. How are you? Good. Great. Great to have you here. So you two founded Matter Architects back in 2009. Can you tell me how that happened? Yeah, it started socially before professionally. I had a previous life where I was working in health sciences uh, and I actually met John Smith socially. Um, We we had coincident social circles and we got on very well socially. And then later I started to study architecture. Matter came after that. So, I mean, we we were good friends before we were professional colleagues. And I actually think that has a big influence on how we've established the relationship and how things have moved forward. I mean, we um, get on really well. You know, we enjoy the time we spend together. I think we challenge each other a great deal because we're we're different designers. We have different ideas, but we also have a lot of common ground. So it kind of works well the way things play between us. I don't know if you would agree with that, John. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember working out of the front room in my villa for quite some time it's probably driving me a little bit mad and I remember meeting John and it was a karaoke night and uh, it was a great night and I think it was um, like a bridge over troubled waters that got me then we just went from there yeah it's been a really lovely collaboration. There's been a number of people involved in Matter but John and I have obviously been there from the beginning you know we started Matter as a creative collective obviously architecture focused but we're Interested in creativity generally, liking to express ourselves in various creative ways. Architecture gives us a really good environment to do that, and we love our architectural work. But we also enjoy other creative pursuits, I guess, as well, and like to create a, a fun, creative environment in the office and keeps us coming back to work, keeps us engaged and excited with each other's company. Yeah, and I think that is really important, and that idea of collaboration is very important because... Uh, you're only as good as your your weakest part, I suppose, when it comes to your profession. So it really strengthens us to hang out as a team and work as a team and and just to celebrate those relationships with our clients as well. Well, it seems, it seems anyway that you've you've had some pretty good success in the architectural field anyway. Have you seen much of a change since 2009 when you started? Have you seen much of a change in the design of the way that we build since then? Yeah, an enormous change on a number of levels. I mean, I think simply that Auckland, where most of our architecture is, although, you know, we're all over the country, most of what we do is in Auckland and density in Auckland is increasing. And so the work typology that we've had has changed from a majority of single house projects uh, when we started Matter to now multi-residential units and much bigger projects. That's something that sort of changed for us as matter, but I think it's also changed generally. The environment in Auckland generally has changed in that way. I mean, you bring your your life's wisdom, I guess, to to bear in, in your architectural practice. And on a slightly broader scale, the quarter acre dream that I grew up with has transformed into a number of different, more concise options for housing and what people would call home and how people want to live. So, yeah, I think there's been, a, there's been a lot of change in the time matter's been around. Yeah, I think that's right. It's always interesting to reflect on your sort of little contextual bubble because when you first start your practice, you know, your humble beginnings and then it just transposes to where you are now and with some lovely opportunities. 
And then in the larger picture, it's been very interesting because we've had the GFC uh, during the time that we've been practicing, and that's led on to the unitary plan, uh, which has really changed the abilities of what you can do on a site. And I think in general also the way that the sort of availability of information and product and innovation of product has really changed over the time we've been practicing. We've really noticed that. So yeah, there's been some huge changes that I think we've perceived both in, in what we're doing and the project typology that we're working on, but also in the greater uh, sort of design field. And another aspect of change is that the emphasis on design has increased you know, yeah. since since we, we started Matter, which is an excellent thing. And, you know, obviously we, we think the more design is valued, the better. You know, architecture is still a small slice of the overall housing market. But uh, Unitary Plan has pushed more design-focused compliance. And we, we're starting to see less ugly buildings. I mean, I guess it's a, you know, it's a, there's a lot of taste involved in that comment. But I think more consideration about the aesthetic of buildings and particularly the way they present materially and the way they present to the street front and public spaces has become uh, an important facet of the unitary plan, uh, something we value a great deal because obviously we want to make interesting, attractive, effective buildings and I think the unitary plan helps to support that. Yeah, that's that's right. And sorry, that's the digger we were talking about in the background there, that rumbling noise that's taking the building with it. Yeah, it's, it is, it's interesting. It's, it's always interesting to understand how architecture is perceived because I remember I first when I first met my wife Melody she said what do you do and I said I'm an architect and she said what's that and you know for us architecture is all encompassing but for you know for others it's it's definitely not so we hope that that permeability of design has gone further than it used to be into the general audience for architecture but you, you never really know I suppose. Yeah and uh, you do sense it in your clients and I guess some bigger developer clients where you're looking at bigger projects historically early in Matters days it was very much about efficiency it was very much about getting the best spatial development you know about gaining the most from a site and now a real part of the conversation is about aesthetics and that's a nice a nice change. Mm. It's something that's good for us. I think we think it's good for the architecture world generally. I mean, it's an interesting point you bring up around densification. Do you think there's a connection there between the increased densification, potentially smaller footprint houses, at least in urban areas, and the yearning for a, perhaps a higher level of design around that smaller footprint? Is that something that you're actually seeing? Well, I think that's right. I think we have definitely seen that idea of the tiny house and the, the small design importance of every single square inch coming through that wasn't really on anyone's radar before I suppose when we first started or before the GFC even and that's definitely come to the fore and I think also the idea of uh, sustainability has while it's always been there it's definitely become more of a priority to people. Yeah and that same sustainability along with more finite building sites or building circumstances really requires more design input you know when you used to have a quarter acre, you could throw any house into the middle of it and you'd be away. Whereas now we're often working with significant spatial constraints and constraints around sustainability. You know, there's more, more ingredients thrown into the design recipe more often by more people. And, you know, that plays to our strengths. That's the, you know, the kind of puzzle that we relish and enjoy. And so it's a, it's a real change and it's a really good change, we think. Yeah. I mean, a good example of that, you know, in terms of uh, solar powering your home, you know, just those small innovations of having the, um, 
the flat standing seam roofing with the inbuilt solar panel and uh, items like that, which previously, if you were going to do solar, you'd have to consider and negotiate these large panels that had to be angled in a certain manner and, you know, how that would look overall to the existing form of, of the home that you've designed. So all of those things really work together and, and they have provided a lot more flexibility and innovation within the design process. It's interesting. It's almost like some of these, not restrictions, but factors, complicating factors on sites can actually maybe squeeze out a little more creativity than we would normally do if we had the quarter acre section. And as you say, on popping a pillar in the middle of that isn't as complicated as dealing with height related to boundary and all these other sort of restrictions that you've got to deal with on intensified sites. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think in some cases, the more restriction you have, the better. I think we've had a few projects where it's been it's an incredible site, open field, no restrictions, and sort of look at each other and just think, oh, this <laughs> you're almost <laughs> agoraphobic. So it's uh, it's a funny old thing. So yeah, I mean, as always, I think you know, good design comes out of well, sometimes pressure, and that can be either time or it can be the parameters of the project, so budget or the design parameters. And I think that design that comes from various pressures and restrictions find it often um, ends up being feeling like an appropriate response if the forces affecting your ability to build on a certain site really play a strong role in forming the building you put on it it's not always tangible you can't always explain it you well sometimes you can explain it to yourself you can't always explain it to someone else but you know often the building seems appropriate it, it will feel right in its site because it's a result of its circumstance and we think that's really important I mean our architecture generally is very responsive to context it's it's an unusual scenario where we bring an imported object into any kind of built environment you know almost always it's a result of its environment absolutely mm. yeah we um, we first connected over COVID lockdown and we sort of discussed a reset potentially required on some of the way that we do some things I guess the resources that we use and the way that we build. Have you had sort of any more reflections post-COVID? Yeah, I think we sort of have been talking about it quite a bit in the office and it was a funny old thing because COVID was a terrible thing that happened and a lot of people suffered a huge amount through it. But it was a time that slowed everything down for us and that slowdown allowed you to reprioritize your life basically. So we enjoyed that lovely balance between family and friends and work. And that, well, for me personally, it tended to make things a lot happier. And I was able to use that, that happiness and joy sort of and get back to the understanding of what architecture for me was about. So, yeah, I think, I think we're definitely um, keen to uh, continue that idea of the slowdown and also potentially the idea of flexibility when it comes to working from home and, and working from the office and what that means for home offices. And, you know, a lot of people sort of sitting at home uh, reflecting on the design of their house and wondering what they were going to do and how they were actually going to get any work done with their scenario. So, yeah, I think we're, we're reflecting on it a lot at the moment. Yeah, and I think it would probably be similar for me is the lockdown period was a time of reflection and I became very aware of, you, of humanity, of the human condition, fragility of it, but, you know, the, the preciousness of it as well. Sometimes when you're really busy in the office, it can be a little bit hard to see, you know, the forest for the trees. You're working hard, technical drawings and buildings and, you know, that it can seem less about people. The, the lockdown was a good reminder that what we're doing is um, providing spaces and homes for people. Everyone deserves 
you know, a great space to live in, an enriching space and a space that contributes to their life in some, you know, positive way. And it was nice to also see, you know, we were all locked down and all separate, but yet there was some sort of collective humanity as well. You, you know, people that you, once you're allowed to get out on the street, people were people that wouldn't wave before would start to wave. There was a sort of a connection. Yeah, yeah. You know, their shared human condition. We all we all share it. We all need to, a place to live, and it's it's good to be involved in an industry where we provide a place for people to live. And it's good to remember that's what you're doing, and you're providing human space in most instances. So it's been a really good time. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's micro and macro, I think, as well. You know, public spaces as much as the more private areas. It's it's a really lovely idea. Yeah, I mean, I, me- I remember seeing a lot of people out on their bikes. I know I took my kids out for a bike ride and just getting out there on the road and enjoying the space without getting run over by cars every five minutes was quite pleasant, which leads me to another interesting project oh. you guys have done, which is quite unconventional for an architectural firm, but... I saw a project where you converted a disused Nelson Street motorway off-ramp essentially to create a exhibition of bikes for Urban Design Day. And you were, I guess, demonstrating the way that this piece of infrastructure could be repurposed. How important is this kind of work for your firm? Yeah, I think the philosophy of that sort of work is, is hugely important, that idea of not missing an opportunity. I think uh, in particular that project, I mean, that was uh, conceived after the GFC and we we're in one of the guys, um, his apartment actually overlooked the um, old Nelson Street off-ramp. And at the time, I think one of the local body uh, members of parliament were trying to turn it into a bus uh, park area or something. And so we, because you know there wasn't much work on it at the time, I think we set ourselves sort of every Friday to have a couple of drinks and, and create our own projects. And that was one of the projects that came out of it. So. We investigated that idea of terrain vague and existing assets in a city that had been forgotten and making sure that they could be reused for the betterment of the public and the well-being. So it was, yeah, it was that, that idea of not missing an opportunity and trying to create something of value out of nothing is really important. I think it, it's an integral part of how matter was conceived again as a creative umbrella that, you know, its primary purpose is architecture, but there are other strings to the bow as well. Mm. I think when we've been very busy, there's been less opportunity to be involved in those kind of interesting projects. Uh, although having said that, we've just sort of started a little in-house competition about you know a small project that um, is more about creating a little bit of fun in-house and a little bit of uh, loose creativity, some freedom, uh, and I think that's something that's come out of the slowing down of COVID as well. We need to re-engage with those type of projects that give us a little bit of freedom outside of strict architecture that involves dealing with regulations in the council. So, yeah, I mean, those kind of things are really important to matter. They're important to the energy and, the, and I guess, the creative freedom of matter. I've seen John Smith. Anyway, I'm sure you're also a good artist, John Holly. But John Smith, I've, I've seen in particular some of your drawings, and it seems that you're quite a talented artist. Do you see much of inter- intersection between art and architecture? Yeah, I think uh, I'll show you a picture that uh, John's done, a painting John's done as well. It's very talented. I think we've got a lot of creativity in the, the office. It's it's a lovely thing to be able to slow down and, and complete artwork. Uh, it makes you slow down. From that perspective of when you draw, you literally have to sit down and, and use that physical act. And that connection between what you can see and what you're drawing is very important. And because you're, you're slowing down, it does sort of add a, a calmness to your day. 
And I think it provides a lovely freedom to what you're able to do because, as John mentioned before, some projects are very heavily controlled by certain aspects in architecture. And whereas you're in the world of your art, you, you get to re-engage your imagination and have a huge amount of fun. And that can only reflect back on your architecture in a really good way. It enables you to maybe see things from a different perspective. And yeah, I, I get a lot of enjoyment from art. And I think everybody has a different creative process and a different creative process in architecture. But for me, the early work you do in developing a concept and developing ideas around a new project can be likened to art, you know, quite tightly. It's, it often takes the form of some kind of artistic expression and it's uh, part of the, I guess, the, the challenge of bringing those architectural ideas into reality is transforming art to architecture. So, I, I mean, I see a really strong link between art itself and architecture. When, when architecture's done well, it's a, I think it's a form of art. Yeah, it's a... Mm, absolutely. Yeah. We were saying before about, you know, when we first sit down and look at a project and take into account its context and the parameters and the, and the formatives, to maintain that sort of original concept that you come up with and maintain that through the whole process can be really challenging and to maintain that narrative. And I think that ability to focus on what the key factors of the artwork or the architecture are is a skill that you sort of learn over time and you, you can have that from uh, completing artworks. You sort of understand what's important to maintain in, in the picture. And I think that definitely helps our architecture a lot. Yeah, and I think you refer back to, I mean, you know, obviously you, you have a, a whole lot of information that goes into an architectural project. But those initial moves that, um, you know, the responses to site, responses to brief, responses to client and many things, you get, I don't want to call it a gut feeling, but I mean, sometimes it's like that. You get a really strong idea about the project early. And if you have that encapsulated in some marks, some drawings, some sketches, some models, something, then it's a really useful object or item to have around as you progress the project because you can refer back to it and it reconnects you with those initial drives. Obviously, there's a lot of complexity and refinement that goes on to take it to a building. But again, as John said, it's good to refer back to those things because it means if you have a very strong original idea and a very strong narrative for your project, then it makes decisions about the project as you go through much easier. Uh, and much more sensible, and, and there'll be a greater level of continuity mm. to the project as a whole. So what what does the future hold for Matter Architects? <laughs> <laughs> what I think we, what we really like to focus on here is, is relationships between people and that collaboration, relationships between ourselves and in-house and also our clients and everyone we work with. And I think we celebrate that and we want to actually potentially continue that process. So I think the next stage for us will be potentially to look at systems and look at the way that we can actually make sure that everything that we're involved in is, is the best outcome it can be. So potentially that's being a little bit more involved on site and maybe the future, a long-term future is even more than that. But yeah, at the moment we've, we're just very happy on continuing the way that we work, which is that lovely collaboration. I mean, that's what we were formed on. Yep. Having as much fun as we can, remembering that architecture should be fun and not getting sort of caught up in the day-to-day -day of running a business, a small business in New Zealand, which can be pretty challenging. Yeah, and, and just um, moving forward from there. Another thing, we all have our own 
projects, small or large, whether it's you know doing a, a new deck at home or whether it's developing the new office building next door, uh, which you can hear rumbling through the walls right now. <laughs> you know, I think it seems to be something that is starting to be more at front of mind for all of us within Matter. We're all starting to think a little bit more about our own projects as well as our, our, our work for clients, which is kind of exciting. We're, you know, we're all um, looking at various ways to build ourselves things and change our own living circumstances as well. And, and that's good. That's exciting. I guess that's part of the medium-term future for Matter. But in the meantime, we're, we're sort of maintaining the, the Matter family. We all get on really well, seem to work well together and really enjoy the environment. So we're, we're hoping to continue that. Well, I've certainly seen in terms of the projects you've got on the books, some very impressive um, looking projects coming through. So it seems that there's no shortage of work for Matter Architects. If people want to connect with you as a business, how can they do that? Uh, I think we, we keep our website quite updated. It's quite recent. And we also have an Instagram page, Matter Architects. And uh, we're always happy to have a chat. So if anyone wants to give us a call and have a chat, we're more than happy. Well, that's great. I'd like to thank you, John and John, for your time and spending 30 minutes of your uh, Friday with us. Well, thank you very much, Dan. Yeah, pleasure, Dan. It's good talking to you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this podcast, brought to you as part of the Abodo Presents podcast series. 